creation of God. We are talking about the very creation of God, and you have to know that God loves you. God wants to turn that negative attitude around, and this morning, I would like to talk to you about not your earthly identity, not your own personal identity, who you think you are. I want to talk to you about what is your heavenly identity. Did you know that heaven talks about you? Did you know that heaven knows you by name? Did you know that Jesus calls you by name and prays for you to the heavenly father? Do you know that heaven knows you exist? How cool is that? I mean, little old me, God knows I exist. Are you ever surprised when you're walking through the mall or, or at the gas station or somewhere out and someone calls you by name and you look at them and you don't recognize them, but they recognize you? Has that ever happened? And you're like, wait, 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 how do you, how do you even know me? That's, that's just weird. And, and they start saying, well, I heard this or saw this or whatever. And, and it, the fact of the matter is now that there's Facebook, there's a lot of times we run into somebody that we're friends on Facebook, but we've never met face to face. We're going... I know you from somewhere, right? And, and that kind of happens. But the cool thing is, God knows every one of you by name. He knows, the Bible says, he knows all the hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. He cares about you. Heaven talks about you. And did you know that God sees you for who you are in him? He sees you in a completely different way many times than we see ourselves. And that's what I wanna talk about this morning. The problem is, when I get focused on the negativity, when I get focused on my view of me, when I get focused on my natural negative bound, uh, 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 focus, Perhaps uh, it comes from uh, different areas. Maybe it comes from finding ourselves thinking like a victim. Maybe we find ourselves saying, you know, I've been through so much and, and, and I, I've had so many things happen and, 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 and things, think, you know, when we think uh, negatively, circumstances naturally rise up to meet it. And God says, I want to replace that with not a victim mentality, but a victorious mentality. Maybe we have low self-esteem, or maybe we're judgmental. Maybe we're too cautious or fearful. We'll talk about that in just a moment. You know, it's easy to be anxious rather than to trust. We worry about something rather than believe for God for something. Maybe you're hesitant or pessimistic. Maybe you've uh, gone past sarcasm, sarcasm and you've moved into cynicism about yourself, about the church, about the world, about other people. You've learned how to be bitter and resentful. You're easily upset. You have fear of what others will think of you. You feel unworthy. You're entirely too self-conscious or timid or frightened. And God says, listen, this is the interesting thing. God says, you know what? You're exactly where you need to be for me to bless you. If you identified with any of that list that I just read to you, you're right where God needs you to be for him to help you have a blessed life. Because in those moments, I realize, you know what? I don't have this. I thought I had this, but I don't have this. But you know what? You know who does have it? God's got this. Come on, say that with me. God's got this. Tell somebody, God's got this. Just tell them. I believe it with all my heart. Unfortunately, if these thoughts creep into our mind and begin to take over our mind, the end result is that you know more about defeat than you know about victory. 
It's really important for us to lose all of that stuff, to lean fully on God and depend on him. Because listen to me very carefully. These things, these negative thoughts, these, these thoughts of, uh, of, of self-loathing or, or these thoughts of, of fear and, and self-consciousness, these things have nothing to do with who we are in the kingdom. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to open your Bibles, if you haven't already, or your Bible app there, uh, and open to Judges chapter 6. And I want to read to you a story of a guy that felt just like you do. If you've ever felt that way, that's exactly where Gideon found himself. Now let me just give you some background before I start reading. I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. Uh, you have to know that the Israelites had been handed over to the Midianites, uh, and they had been in slavery, and it was not going well. The, the, the Israelites would plant food, and they would raise, they, they, they would raise uh, cattle and, and, and livestock, and the Midianites would just kind of let them do that, and then they would come in and sweep it all out and take it all away. And literally, at, when our story takes place, they've been going through this for about seven years, and they're begging God, can you please help us? We need you to deliver us. We need you to do something for us right now because literally the Bible says they were starving. Can you imagine that? They needed rescue from God. How many of you that you can say, you know what? There's been times I needed rescue from God. Amen. Some of you may feel that way this morning. So the Israelites were, were praying and God answered their prayer. And he said, okay, I hear your prayer, but you've got you've to follow my way. You've got to do what is right. And so when we pick up in verse, in verse 11 of Judges chapter 6, we see God's answer. Now, God's answer may seem a little bit different than what you would think his answer would be. Because when you want to conquer the world, when you want to win a battle, when you want to be on top and be victorious, you're going to find one to lead that battle that's, that's strong, that's tall, that's popular, that, that, that uh, is experienced, that, that knows what they're doing. Isn't that who you would look for? You know what the interesting thing is? That's not who God looked for. So we begin to read in verse 11, then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, watch this, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. That's right. You heard that right. He was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. Isn't that interesting? Why was he doing it? He was doing it, it says, to hide the grain from the Midianites. He was doing, he was, he was literally hiding out from the enemy. Maybe if I, maybe if I put the, come down here and make the food, we'll have enough for us, and maybe they won't come and attack me and take everything away. So, so here's Gideon, hunkered down, hiding, just trying to survive. Are you with me? How many of you ever felt before, I'm just hunkered down, just trying to survive, huh? I want you to know, God can be and will be your overcomer. So it says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, hold on, mighty hero? What do you mean, mighty hero? This is Gideon, he's hiding in the wine press. You're supposed to be up where you actually thresh wheat. No, no, he's down here in the wine press hiding out and the angel shows up and says, listen to me, you mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now that sentence right there is packed. If you're following along, underline that verse under the, that sentence. And I want you to hear it again. 
You are a mighty man of valor. You are a mighty man, a woman of valor. You are a hero. Why? Because the Lord is with you. Come on. Somebody needs to say amen on that one. The Lord is with you. Now, Gideon didn't quite get it yet, did he? Verse 13, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with strength, the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. Why? Because I am sending you. Gideon still didn't get it. But Lord, he replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan, watch this, is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Not only is my family the least in the whole tribe, I am the least in my family. You have come to the wrong guy. You know, I've said that to the Lord before. I don't know if you ever have, but I have. Lord, you've come to the wrong guy. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not fast enough. I know it. You know it. You've come to the wrong dude. And God says, no, I came to the exact wrong guy, exact perfect guy because you know that you can't do it without me do you hear that look what the lord said to him watch this underline this i will be with you wow i will be with you and you will destroy the midianites as if you were fighting against one man now, if you go on to read the story of Gideon, you'll know that that's exactly what happened. In fact, he had this big old army and God said, no, no, that's too many. You gotta dwindle that thing down, that's too many. If, those, if, if you win with that amount, they may take the credit. Get it down to about 300, we'll see what we can do, huh? That's how awesome God is. But unfortunately, Gideon was living under that natural bent for us to be negative and think the worst, and to not trust. So if you're taking notes, let's talk about Gideon for a moment and his negativity. And while we're doing that, I want you to say, you know what, is there some of this in me? Can I identify with Gideon? And my guess is that every one of us at one time or other in our life has identified with one or all of these things. Because we're just human. We're just human. Are you ready? The first one is fear. We saw it in verse 11. It says that Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So literally, he was hiding. Now the wine press was a large vat for crushing grapes, okay? And it was located in a valley unlike a threshing floor which was on the hilltop. So what Gideon decided to do, rather than being a, a, a lightning rod and everybody to know where to find me, I'm not gonna thresh wheat where you would normally do so on the hilltop. I'm gonna go down in the valley in the wine press and I'm gonna hide down here and try to make ends meet and try to make life go and try to make it to tomorrow and then maybe we'll have enough to eat for me to do it again today and he was in this whole cycle because he was fearful of the enemy taking over him 
So here he was, threshing in small quantities in an inconspicuous place, hoping to finish quickly to avoid being seen by the enemy. Now, if you're anything like me, you have to consistently ask the Lord to quash my fears and give me hope and strength for the day. Because if I'm not careful, Phil starts going, well, what about this? Well, what if that? What if this happens? Well, what if that happens? And inevitably, God and I have a conversation, and it's pretty one-sided, I'll be honest with you. He says to me, Phil, are you planning on asking me about this? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, yeah. And he says, I've got this. I've got this. You know, you've heard me talk about when we give everything to the Lord, now it's the Lord's. So if our roof leaks, then God, you know, when we go to the Lord, we don't say, Lord, how are you going to fix my roof? We say, all right, Lord, I can't wait to see how you're going to fix your roof. And I have proof that some of you have actually heard that when I preached it in the past. Because on Wednesday, it rained, it poured down rain. I mean, you know, it just poured down rain. And there was a waterfall of water coming from the ceiling to the floor about 10 feet wide on the right side of that screen, all the way down to the floor. Just, just, like, just like a waterfall coming through. And I, I went and told someone, uh, I went to, to tell Malcolm, he's our head trustee. And I said, Malcolm, and, and I told Ed, I said, hey guys, you need to know there's a waterfall leak when it's raining and someone overheard me and said well that's okay anyway it's God's roof do you know how much that made me excited as a pastor somebody got something you know thank you very much folks I'm going home right huh somebody got something but what is it what happens is when we get fearful it's because we start taking the roof back and we start taking our family back we start taking our cars back we start taking all that back and say because everything's fine so now I've got this and then life hits us up between the eyes and we go oh wait a minute wait a minute right the second one if you're taking notes is doubt did you see it in verse 13 Gideon said to him you know I'm I'm my clan is the least and I am the least of my clan he says in verse 13, where are all the miracles which our fathers about you were saying? Did the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. What's he saying? All right, if God is with us, then why have the Midianites been allowed to hurt us like they are? That's a human question. And I'm just going to tell you, if you've asked that question before, I'm not saying be ashamed of it. That's just our natural bent. That's what I'm talking about, that natural bent to negativity. But the Lord said, that's not what I see. That's, you're not who I see. Who I see is a mighty hero, right? I put in your notes by F.B. Meyer a quote, unbelief puts our circumstances between us and God. Faith puts God between us and our circumstances. Unbelief clouds our vision of God. Unbelief, listen to me, is the opposite of faith. It really is. And when I don't believe, when I have this doubt in my mind, what I'm saying is, Lord, I'm not really sure you can do that. I'm not really sure you can handle that. And then we wonder why we start drawing away from God's presence. We wonder why we start losing that that fire that we once had in our relationship with God because we're not trusting him, him fully and believing he can do what he says he will do. And then the third one, don't be, don't be too hard on Gideon 
because I believe if I didn't miss my guess, we've all experienced these as well. The third one is insecurity. My clan's the least, and I'm the least of the clan. You've got the wrong guy. You've got the wrong guy. I can't do it. During the Second World War, a small French community had a little statue of Christ right in the center of town. It was the, it was the focal point of town. And when a bombing came, the statue was broken into several pieces. Everybody was devastated, but they did what they could to get out there and get all the pieces and, and put them into a place where they could get to them later because their intention was to put the statue of Jesus back together once the war was over. And sure enough, when the war was over, they went and found all those pieces. They'd, they'd been as diligent as they could to find all those little fragments of the statue of Jesus, and they put them all in a pile, and they began to glue all the pieces together. Now, it wasn't that pretty because they were gluing it back together it didn't look like it originally did but it was a representation we are going to depend on Jesus no matter what comes our way how many of you know that needs to be our prayer no matter what happens I'm going to depend on Jesus no matter what comes my way when I get my eyes off Jesus and I get my eyes on other people, I get my eyes on myself, I get my eyes on my circumstances, when I get my eyes on the fact that, that if, if, if I go to the hilltop, someone might, you know, might kill me or attack me, so I'm just going to stay down in here and believe that this is my reality. When that starts to set in, everything's a mess. But if I know that Jesus is in control... So what they began to do is put this back together and they found every piece, every piece, except for the hands. They couldn't find the hands. And they were really kind of discouraged and they were, they were kind of upset and they didn't, they didn't really know what to do. Do we, do we leave it up? And you know, it doesn't look the same. It looks kind of strange without hands. And someone came along and it says they were, they were getting ready to take the statue down actually. And one person slipped a gold plaque at the bottom of that statue. And here's what it read. He has no hands but ours. Wow. Why does God seek you out? Because you are his hands. He believes in you. Come on. Even when you don't believe in you, he believes in you. Now, God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you, but he chooses to use us. He chooses to depend on us. So in a sense, he makes it so that he does need us. But he says, you are my hands. There are things I need you to do. There are some mountains I need you to climb. There are some giants I need you to slay. There are some enemies that I need you to take down. And you are my man. You are my woman of, uh, of valor. You are my hero. I'm believing in you. You are my hands. God is saying to you today, you are my hands. Come on, tell somebody, you are the hands of God. 
You know that today. We are the hands and the feet of God. First Peter 2.9 tells us that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Come on, church. That ought to get everybody excited right now. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, you are a chosen generation. Even if you came into the family of Christ just this morning, you are now a part of the family of God. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, his own special people, we are told, that you may proclaim the praises of him. Come on, can I get a praise this morning? Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. <laughs> well, hallelujah. I think that every one of us ought to, you just write that verse somewhere in your notes. I didn't put it in your notes, but just write it down. First Peter 2, 9. You need to have that as a screensaver on your computer. You need to have it on the home screen of your phone. You need to have it printed out and put on your refrigerator. You need to remind yourself that you matter to God. You are something amazing to God. You are a, 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 a hero to God. Let me read it again. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's who you are today. I just want to tell you something. God thinks you're awesome. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And there's sometimes I just need to know that. I'm going to be honest with you. There's sometimes I need to know, Lord, all that matters to me is my audience of one that you think I'm awesome. Because you know what? We can find plenty of people. Sometimes we have to look hard. Sometimes we don't. But we can find plenty of people that don't think we're awesome. But God does. Look what he gave as a heavenly identity to, to Gideon. And as I read these to you, and as you write them down, I want you to know this is your heavenly identity. This is who God has established you as, as a Christ follower. The first one, if you're taking notes, is a valiant warrior. He sees you as a valiant warrior because he knows that if you will allow him to work through you, there is nothing that can stop you. We have that worship song we sing, Unstoppable God. Guess what? We serve an unstoppable God, so that means his royal priesthood is an unstoppable priesthood. Amen? You are a valiant warrior. You are, in, 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 in New Living Translation, it says, you are a hero. Come on, tell the person beside you, you're a hero. You may not be my hero, but you're a hero. No, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. And then number two, you're a man of faith. Just the fact, listen to me, just the fact that you trusted in Jesus for your salvation means that you are a man or woman of faith. The Bible says if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved, and it will be moved. And because you've accepted Jesus Christ into your, into your life as your personal Savior, you've got at least that grain the size of a mustard seed, and you've got the faith to move mountains. Why? Because God is now working through you. Do you see what he said to you? Because why? I am with you. You will be victorious. Why? I am with you. You will win the battle. Why? Because I am with you. See, here's what happens. When I clothe myself in the righteousness of Christ, I buy into the greatness and power of Jesus Christ himself. 
He lends all of those things, those attributes. The power that, he, that, rose him, that, that raised him from the dead is the same power that can make you become an overcomer. It's the same power that can help you win those battles that you're facing today. Whatever it is, you say, Pastor, you don't understand how big it is. You're right. I don't, but God does. And he says, that's nothing to me. I've got this. He's got it. The fourth one is this, a man or woman of submission. Now this is key. None of this would have happened if Gideon had not said yes. You need to be a man or woman of yes. Yes. In fact, you need to be like the the, the leader that uh, John Maxwell was meeting with, and you know John Maxwell is, is the, the world leader in, in leadership training, leadership development, uh, and he's, he's a fellow 3CUer, and, and God has blessed him, and he's making an impact worldwide through uh, ministries and in the secular world, out training leaders and, 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 and making a major impact. And so when he asks someone to help them out in a situation, a lot of times, you know, they're, they're inclined to do so and he said one time he was meeting with a a group of very high impact leaders I mean we're talking CEOs and presidents of large companies and and he was sharing some vision with them and before he can give it get get it out one of them said "Um, yes I'll do that he said wait a minute I haven't even told you what it is it doesn't matter I'm in he said okay and then he said the other ones in the room started to follow us out I'm in too I'm in too I'll do it too and so he said, later on, he pulled that leader aside. He said, I gotta ask you, I had not even shared the, 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 what my vision was, what the plan was, and you said, yes, you're in. Oh, how, how can you do that? He said, John, I learned a long while ago that if I'm gonna be a man of faith and I'm gonna do, be the leader God called me to be, I have to live, watch this, on the other side of yes. Wow. What if every one of us lived on the other side of yes of whatever God called us to do whatever he asked us to do whatever he did listen write somewhere in your notes I'm gonna live on the other side of yes you know what that means that means I'm a person of submission I'm gonna submit to the Lord and then number four a leader of men and women, a leader, a leader. God has called you to be a leader. You see, because God chooses according to not my ability, but my availability. Do you hear what I'm saying? God doesn't look at what you're capable of in your own. He says, will you just be available and I will make it happen. John Maxwell was talking about this subject and talking about another leader in scripture that had very similar circumstances, Moses. When God called him, he said, whoa, wrong guy. No, no, I I can't get up and talk about people. I can't leave people. I can't even talk in public and I stutter. I'm a mess, Lord, you've got the wrong guy. 
And John says, look at Moses. He had no official role or authority among the Hebrew slaves. He had failed once already in bringing justice to a Jewish man. He had been missing for 40 years due to his fears. He had a history of ease in the palace where no Jew could identify with. He could not speak well by his own admission, and he lacked the self-confidence or a desire to do the job. Other than that, no problem. (laughs) Have you ever felt that way? All right, Lord, here's my laundry list. You know, when God called me to pastor, I had a laundry list. I had a whole list of things why I was the wrong guy. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. I'm terrible at this. Lord, you know this. You've seen me. I'm, a, I'm an open book. And he said, exactly. That's why I want to use you. So what happened? God gave Gideon three things. Write these down. The first thing he gave was an elevated status. Listen to me very carefully. God decides our status, not us. Not us. In fact, if I try to determine my status, it will eventually implode. Secondly, God gave Gideon and he gives you authority over the enemy. You have to know that the enemy cannot touch you. If you are in Christ, he can stand out in the front door and he can kick and scream and bang on the window and say, let me in, let me in, let me in. He can do all kinds of things to tempt you to come out. He can do everything he can to cause you to do something you shouldn't do, but he cannot touch you because we are in Christ and he is our protector, amen? He has given us authority over the enemy. In the name of Jesus, get behind me, huh? We have the authority to say that. When the enemy comes and he begins to tempt us and try to pull us back, no, Satan, I see if I see you who, for who you are. I will not bow. Get behind me. I have authority in Jesus' name. And then the third one, and this is where we've been headed. He gives us permission to overcome. God sets us free to be an overcomer. I don't know what it is that you feel you need to overcome this morning, but I want you to know, God is never surprised. He is never caught off guard. He is never overwhelmed. He is a great big God, and he knows what he's doing. And if I mess up and go the wrong way, it's because I got off of his plan, and I took the reins myself. How many of you use uh, Google Maps on your phone to get places, huh? It's kind of made me, uh, I'm very, very good with directions, but Google Maps kind of messes me up because I just listen to her and and watch that and and turn where they say, and then if I ever don't have my phone, I'm like, how did I get here again, right? But the interesting thing is, if you get off course, Google's going to let you know, right? Hey, Wrong turn, wrong turn, recalculating, recalculating, turn this way, turn around, turn around. What are you doing? You're about to go in the river. You Stop, 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 right? What happened? You quit listening to her and you started listening to yourself. Oh no, this, that road looks like it goes through. How many of you ever said that? That looks like that goes through right there. Huh? I walked into the Mentone Market. It was a little town on the top of Lookout Mountain that we pastored in. And I I walked into the little market, 
and, and someone walked in with this very perplexed, frustrated, and, and kind of angry look on their face, and, and they just walked up to the counter and went, you won't believe what just happened. And the guy behind the counter says, uh, you went through a creek of rocks, right? How did you know? You're using Google, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm using Google. And what happens is, for whatever reason, Google thought that was a road. Oh, no, no, it's not a road. I got stuck in it once. I'd go through it on purpose with my Jeep. But one time, I had to have somebody come tow me out in my Jeep going over the rocks. Of course, there was ice on the rocks and all that. But it's a mess. But Google says, hey, in 500 feet, left turn. They take a 500 feet. They take a left turn and down. And by the time they figure it out, there's nowhere to go. So even Google messes up, right? More than we'd like to talk about, actually. But guess who never messes up? God. God knows the path to take. So what do we do? We submit. We trust. We identify as who he says we are. And the good news is, when God tells us who we are, he intends to be there to help us make it happen. <laughs> He's not just going to leave us. He will never leave us or forsake us. The Bible says that. God chooses, listen, according to my potential, not my position. You need to write that down somewhere. Write that down. God chooses according to potential, not my position. Gideon said, I'm the least. Why do you choose me? So I want to ask you, do you feel like you're inadequate? Do you feel like you're unable? Do you feel like you're not able to do what God is calling you to do? I say, great. You're exactly where you need to be for God to do great things in you. And let me just say this real quick. Do not believe it for a minute when the enemy or someone comes and tells you, well, that's a position of weakness. No, no, no. It takes far more of a man or God to trust God on the cliffside than it does to put on a parachute and do it yourself. Not all parachutes deploy, but God never fails. In fact, one guy was standing on the edge of the cliff. Maybe you've heard this story. And he got a little too close and he fell off. And about halfway down, there was a branch. So he grabbed a hold of it. He said, is there anybody up there? What am I going to do? I can't get up. I can't let go. I'll fall to my death. Anybody up there? And all of a sudden, he heard a voice. Behold, it's God. <laughs> is there anybody else up there? <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? Huh? Look what I put in your notes by Graham Cook. Obedience is acting in line with, watch this, with who God has called us to be. I want you to understand that. Obedience is not a drudgery. Obedience is a blessing. Why? Because through obedience, we walk into the person that God has called us to be. Do you understand that? That is the whole purpose of him instructing us. That is the whole purpose of him leading us, is to lead us into, watch this, our heavenly identity as an overcomer. Come on, tell somebody, you are an overcomer. Disobedience, watch this, is making excuses of why we can't. Hello. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Let me leave you with this scripture, 
1 Corinthians 1.25. The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Just bow your heads for a moment. Lord, we love you so much. And I'm just going to admit right here in front of you and everyone else that I'm weak, that I need wisdom, I need your knowledge, I need your strength. And Lord, trusting in you to lead me, to strengthen me, to give me wisdom and the knowledge I need sometimes is a lot harder than just taking care of business with myself and hoping it turns out good. But I'm willing to wait. I'm willing. Not my will, but yours be done. And all across this room, Lord, this is a room full of heroes. Their heavenly identity is men and women of valor. But for some, it may not feel like that today. Emotions creep in, the enemy comes in, sows negative thoughts about ourselves. Sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes it's hard to see past the fact that we're in the valley and we're the least of the least and we feel unworthy and unable. But my God is greater and stronger and wiser. And Lord, right now I pray that all across this room, we would be men and women of submission to embrace the identity that you have for us. Help us, Lord, to be Gideons in the faith. I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Everybody say amen. 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 We're going to have just a moment, uh, some pretty exciting time as we have baptisms. And if you're a baptism candidate, uh, now is a time where you can proclaim to the world, I'm going to be a Gideon. <laughs> I'm going to stand strong in faith. And if you're, a, if you're one of those, you've come this morning, would you just make your way over here to this, this door over here on the right, and you'll be met by people that will help you know what to do. While they're doing that, I'm going to ask the ushers to come, and Pastor Crystal is going to come and pray over the offering and give some more instructions and, and some announcements. And uh, we're going to, if you're able, please, 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 please stay. Uh, this won't take long, and we want to have a celebration with all of those that are being baptized today. Pastor Crystal, come and pray over the offering, please. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for um, this wonderful word from you. Uh, I pray that you will pl please bless the offering today. Um, bless these gifts, Lord, that they may help your church to go forward. Bless everyone that is being faithful in their giving. And bless those that are not able to as well. Lord, all these gifts are for you. and We give you much glory and praise in your name. Amen. Just a couple things, and we're going to do a couple of real exciting things today. I'm so excited. Um, also, I need someone with a key to open that door for the baptism people, please. Thank you so much. 
and we're excited about that. Um, we are going to do, this is called Promotion Sunday, and it is for those who are going from the preschool early education department into kids' church. So that would be those who just started kindergarten this year, so just a week or two ago. So Miss Doris is going to come and going to present some certificates uh, to these who are leaving Miss Doris's awesome early education wing and coming to the big kids, the kids' church, all right? <laughs> okay, everybody. Uh, we don't have a choice. Okay, we really don't have this many moving up and out, but they're moving out. <laughs> okay, I'd like for Chase, Chase up front. I would like for Mason to be up front, and Zane is already up front. Up front. Okay. Believe it or not, we're missing six. So you can imagine us all together. That's all I'm saying. Just imagine. I don't ask for you to join in. Just imagine. Chase, please stand up. <clears throat> These three are actually going into kindergarten, and they're in kindergarten now in the real school system. Shh. Okay. And the other ones are tagalongs. They will join them at a later date. Okay. My certificates, the first one is for Zane. Yay. Hold up your hand. He's a little backwards, except when he's in the room. Will you take that one? Okay, my next one is for Chase. Take that one. Last but not least. This is Mason. He was behind me. I tell you what, having this group, they're very energetic. They have more energy than I do. And <clears throat> I really respect, I said respect. What commandment was that? No. We're working, we, were, we were working on the Ten Commandments. That might be number 11 is respect Miss Doors. But I don't know. Anyway, I want to thank the parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles that make sure these kids are in church every Sunday. Because they miss a Sunday. And okay, you guys give yourself applause. Yay! Let's go. I'm so sorry. Okay, you coming back? I promised them if they behave, we go to the playground. Let's go. We good? Let's give a big hand for the early education department. And on a typical Sunday, there's 10 to 12 in there being very active and having lots of fun. And I, the, the amount of prep time and work that Miss Doris does with all of her team is incredible. And we are very, very grateful to have her 
um, running that department. Um, we're kind of slim pickings on the fifth graders going into middle school. Um, I asked the congregation, and the only, ones, uh, the only one, I believe, is L.J. Hendricks. Is he here today? He's not. Oh, he is actually already joined the youth group, and so we'll be sure and give the certificate to him uh, hopefully next week. So he is an awesome a young man and already been on a youth trip this summer. And, you know, sometimes that, uh, that uh, transition from elementary to middle school can be a tough one. And we're just really um, excited about uh, him and all the others that are in that group. Just a couple announcements as we're getting ready for baptism. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we have some groups that are starting soon, and if the teachers are here, I'm going to say the group, if you, the group name, if you will stand so people can see that you're teaching that. And these groups are starting the week of the 12th, okay? And, and actually, one of the groups is already meeting. Is, is Pat Moore here, please? If she... Pat Moore. So her group meets on Tuesday evenings, open to anyone at 7 p.m., and it's called the Joy Group. If you like to reach out to your community and also study the Bible, this is the group for you. They do a lot of reaching out to the nursing homes, doing cards. They've done stuff, I believe, for veterans or military at some point. And so if you have questions about that, see Pat. And again, that's Tuesday nights at 7 on Wednesday night, starting on the 15th, is going to be Ed Davis. Where's Ed? He's got to be here somewhere. <laughs> he is leading a men's group on Wednesday night, starting on, and the, all the sign-up sheets are at the Welcome Center uh, for you to sign up. So there is Ed right there, and then his lovely wife, Nan, and have her stand. She's actually leading a ladies group on Monday nights right now, but at some point she will be doing the ladies group on Wednesday night. So say hi to Nan, and she has a sign-up sheet back there as well. Then, if you live too far from the church to come in and do the on-campus groups, we have an awesome opportunity for an online group. Is Cindy White here? And have her stand. There she is on the camera. Hi, Cindy. Uh, she will be teaching an online group starting on September 13th on Monday evenings at 7 p.m., and it's on spiritual warfare. Cindy has done online groups for us in the past, has done a fantastic job. So if you would like more information about that, please sign the sign-up sheet. So we're excited about this. I also have just a quick announcement that next Sunday, believe it or not, is first Sunday, September 5th. We will have, ready for this? Sundays on Sunday. I know, that's kind of corny, but it's, we're having ice cream Sundays on first Sunday next week, and a huge bounce house for the kids. So don't miss it. So, uh, first Sunday is a great time to bring your friends and your family to church. We always do gift card drawings at the end of service. So I hope that you'll join us. And that is all I have. We are getting ready for, we're ready for baptism. Wonderful. This is always a very, very exciting time in the life of uh, Capital City Church. And we have uh, folks that have given their heart to the Lord Jesus, and today they want to signify by the testimony of baptism. And uh, we uh, usually, uh, Pastor David says this, but he's in Tennessee today, so I'll say it. And uh, we, we uh, both have had this policy throughout our ministry that when someone comes up out of the water, they should hear uh, their family shout to the Lord. Amen? 
So on the count of three, can we practice just so we know you've got this, okay? Let me hear you. One, two, three. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So when they come back up out of the water, let them hear that we're celebrating with them, okay? All right. We have our first candidate. I don't know if they can hear me back there, so. All right, so we're going to practice the cheer when the first one comes out. <laughs> we're ready? Awesome time, uh, Paige, for you and your faith and in your walk to proclaim to the world that you love Jesus and you're a Christ follower. Uh, do you proclaim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I do. By the grace of God, from this point forward, do you uh, commit to living your life for Him? I do. Then, Paige, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's an awesome step of obedience to, in front of uh, God and family and the world, to say that uh, you're a Christ follower. So, uh, Hunter, uh, do you proclaim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I do. By the grace of God and His help, with His help, do you commit to living your life for Him from this day forward? I do. And Hunter, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. celebrating with you and and uh, not only are we proud of, of you guys for doing this today but the Lord is proud yeah. of you and yeah. and uh, RJ uh, this is a great way of you telling the world that you're a Christ follower so uh, do you proclaim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior yes, sir. by the grace of God from this day forward are you committed to living your life for him yes, sir. 
Amen. Then RJ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, isn't this great? me to read this for you and thankfully she has wonderful writing so I can read it if I wrote it I wouldn't be able to read it I was saved when I was 12 years old at a Coshocton summer tent revival I felt like I floated down that aisle the altar seemed to glow I believe accepting Christ as a young girl was a blessing I believe Christ was right beside me guiding and protecting me through my teen years I strive to grow and learn to be more like Christ every day. I am nothing without him. I give him all the glory and praise. Lisa Woods. Amen. Okay, we're doing a little history lesson because I pastored in Coshocton, but I think that was before I was there. That's awesome. Okay, awesome. She's also becoming a member today. She's been through, that's right. So, uh, she's been through Growth Track, and she brought her membership covenant with, them, with her, she said. So today's a big day, huh? Yes. That's awesome coming out here. So proud of you, Lisa. And this is a great way to testify to the world, to your church yes. family, that uh, you are a Christ follower. And so it's a great big day. So, Lisa, as you said in your, in your uh, letter there, do you proclaim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And by the grace of God, from this point forward, do you uh, commit to living your life for Him? Yes. Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, <laughs> yes. a big praise today, huh? Amen. You know, it's really cool when, uh, when you think you have three and you have four, amen? And if you've been thinking about uh, being baptized and, and been considering that, I want you to be committed the next time we do this that you will Tell the world that you're Christ follower. There's just something about that act of obedience. And uh, I, I just love to see people uh, cross a step, that, uh, step across that line. I love you guys so much. And I love what I love to do, this is an old uh, uh, doxology that we used to sing years ago. I love to close out baptism services with the doxology. So can we just sing that together? 
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. today be sure and congratulate them let them know you're proud of them and what a great day it is god bless you we'll see you back here next week for part three of overcomer shake hands be friendly you're dismissed <laughs>